Welcome to the Boston's Big Four podcast. New news about music and sports every week, sometimes. Welcome back. Another day, another episode. Episode 56 of Boston's Big Podcast. Featuring another special guest, Leeds Edutainment, Ned Wellberry, uh, one of the great promoters in Boston, hip-hop promoters. Uh, definitely, the great yeah, promoter. I don't know of any other. I would say so. the elite promoter. Um, Wu-Tang Clan, Kendrick Lamar, Wiz Khalifa, Mac Miller, Freddie Gibbs, Joe Budden, Conway the Machine. I'm just reading off that shirt that you made. But... Um, <laughs> Yeah, the the resume is pretty impressive. Thank you. Yeah, so we're definitely happy to have you on. Um, so that, yeah, there's a lot going on in terms of live music right now. So we have uh, just, I mean, anyways, it's an interesting feat promoting, running shows. Um, I know you you managed at the Middle East for a little while, so that I mean, just all that that entails. Um, is a three hour podcast on its own. So not only that, we have a quarantine going on, which affects that business pretty much to a standstill. Um, and I'm first of all curious, how, how are the people in your immediate community dealing with that? And is there any, anything in sight that you can see uh, as far as like this, this changing in the future, anyone, um, any type of like, will it be, will shows be different uh, in the future? You know, I don't know, you know, it's everyone I know that's, you know, in the music business, working in venue side of things is, is laid off, quit, fired, whatever, um, completely out of work. Um, okay. The problem is with something like this is because of the nature of the business and booking shows that you have, you, you do it far out, right? So it's like, right now I'd be booking the fall you know, or book in the summer and no one, everyone's just freezing that process. So even if we were to say, Hey, uh, May 1st, you can go back out to your life and go to venues and all like that. You'd have still a huge layover time for months and months and months um, before the shows would start kicking in again. Because from what I've seen, everything is pretty much being canceled or rescheduled to the fall. I mean, they are pushing some things back to the summer, but I don't know if that's true. You know what I mean? And yeah, right. And I mean, if nobody really knows when this is going to end. So, no, I mean, we, well, this doesn't end. I, I don't think this ends until they figure out a way to treat the, you know, treat the virus better and yeah. the people don't die and, and, and find a, a, a cure or a vaccine or something, you know, I, and I don't think anyone has a clear answer on that. So, right. I mean, and even if we go back, everything's going to change. I mean, I think everything, the way people look at each other, talk to each other, get used to it. I mean, there's going to be a level of change that happens to this. And who knows, this technology thing about doing live events on your, you know, these, these in-studio things that everyone's doing. And, you know, um, this might end up being a new thing, you know, and people might be like, well, I, I'd rather stay home and watch the show than go out yeah. do it. Yeah, and um, the concern is whether you're going to get sick or not. And I mean, you could probably even tie that in with with VR, get a whole virtual reality experience where you you maybe do feel like you're at a concert, but you're just at home. So yeah, that's 
whole world of opportunities. It is interesting. Yeah, I mean, I, I really think that it's un, it's still so uncertain. You know what I mean? And uh, you know, my heart goes out to anybody in in the the live music venue or the the, the bar and restaurant business, man, because you know it's because uh, that's all live music live venue is. It's a bar and a restaurant with you know a PA system. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That's the only thing that's different. You know, there's a couple other things different, but it's still the same thing you know you're serving alcohol you're serving food so it's like um everyone is just you know it's laid off right now and uh it's, it's hard it's hard for people right now and you know in a lot of people i work with you know that's all they you know that i, that I worked with this is what they did you know they didn't do many much other things it's almost uh you know, and, and you know, when you've been serving in the, in the restaurant business for a long period of time, it's not so much easy to, easy to go out and find another job doing something else. You know what I mean? You're kind of used to a certain way of life, nights, stuff like that. Your resume is pretty much an extensive, you know, hospitality management rent yeah. venue thing. There's not, there's not, a, it's not. I can just go get a desk job doing something. You know what I mean? It's not the same. Um, you know, references work work experience. Mm. So, and, and musicians, you know, musicians, um, you know, they still, you know, some, you know, the bigger ones, you know, they still making money off their music, right? Um, streaming stuff like that, selling it. Um, but the up and coming musicians, they rely on shows, right? You know, to build their fan base and you know make a little money selling, you know, maybe a little money performing or maybe a little bit of money selling some merch and and you know, so they rely on that. So right. it's tough for them too. You know what I mean? So it's, you know, it's, there's no clear cut answer. You know, it's people are, but you know, I mean, a lot of people outside of this are in the same situation, you know? So it, it's Absolutely. not, it's not like this is just happening to live music, but the, the event planning business is definitely uh, yeah. to be determined. Yeah. 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 To be a lot of businesses uh, that are more like grassroots, like a lot of artists are, it's independent. You're kind of, you're supporting yourself. And uh, in the just ser- service industry, a lot of the people are paycheck to paycheck, like you were saying. Um, so the stability, as far as something like this, when you lose that, uh, it's, it's hard to, um, oh God, hold on. Oh, so here we, there's last one train of thought for a second. We're back. The, um, it's, it's harder to support like a mom and pop business. So we're going to see like hardware stores going out of business, tire shops that you were in your town that just couldn't ride it out through this. So, yeah. um, it definitely is crucial to support. I mean, the least we could do is in times like this, everyone's turning towards different forms of art. So, uh, <laughs> that is one blessing I think artists do have, uh, in that regard, unfortunately not for the, the servers and anyone running the establishments, uh, but you do have the options for people to be buying merchandise and uh, things like that. So it, it definitely, uh, it's harder for things that aren't, you have corporations that can, they can ride this stuff out. They have bailouts and, and cash flow that, that, that uh, it's obviously they're going to post losses, but it's, um, it's better than dying completely. And, and that's what happens to smaller businesses. And I think uh, like we'll probably see some local bars disappear um, after this. So it is, it's, it's disappointing, but um, I'm hoping this will be an opportunity for us to 
to try to rebuild these things in, in more lasting ways. Like, cause I think with technology and uh, we mentioned those live shows, we're going to be doing a lot of pivoting in terms of how we absorb our entertainment. So um, with or without venues, we'll probably still be watching art somehow. So I think finding a way to keep money going through that or business, a, a new form of business, it's uh, something we'll probably have to look for, but people are changing their minds. Sorry, I was looking away because I was trying to figure out a way to share it. Uh, so, oh, I'm Paul, I, th I think I got it now. <laughs> no worries. All right. Hold on. Just want to make sure, you know, it's alive on Boston's. It popped up and said, share this. So, I was like, all right. <laughs> there we go. This there you go. So, let me just do this so we can get it all running now. Okay. All right, so now I've shared it on leads and I shared it on my personal. So hopefully we'll get okay. a few more people checking in. Awesome. Perfect. Hello, the six of you. I think three of them are us. But There's six. <laughs> we got six people now? Yeah, seven. Ooh, we're climbing. Oh, all right. Alexander, we're drawing a crowd. Alexander's on there, so that's good. That's my boy. Shout out to Alexander. Hello. Yeah, big shout out. Yeah, if you want a shout out, hit up those comments. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, uh, Leeds Edutainment has been around since 04, right? Yeah, that was my first, um, yeah, that was like my first Middle East show. I, I, I kind of okay. consider it, kind of consider that to be when I really, I had done a couple little shows in all Asia in 2003, but I, I just okay. kind of didn't really know what I was doing. Yeah. So, how'd you get into, into the business? Uh, I mean, I was a hip hop head first, yeah. you know. I've been listening to hip hop since 1992. Okay. <laughs> so it's like, yeah. uh, and um, I had friends that my age were listening to it before that even, you know, yeah. shout out Peter Parker and a few other friends in high school. And um, so I, that was just the, I, I've been diehard since then. So what's that? Yeah. Almost 30 years. Yeah. <laughs> so I didn't really think of music as uh you know, I was a fan, you know, all through high school and stuff like that. And then college, I became a DJ. And then after uh, the first school I went to after that, I decided I want to get into business. So then I went to Northeastern to go to the music industry program, got into that. And then at, right my last year of uh, college there, I interned for a company, Metro Concepts, who was a guerrilla marketing company at the time. Basically, you would hire these guys to promote your independent albums or whatever you were promoting, they would the yeah. street team or this is all before social media. Right. So it was all like hand to hand flyers, retail placements, uh, record pools, you know, um, working with the local radio stations at the time, 88, nine and, you know, jamming. I think even you did a little couple things, um, okay. you know, working with the DJs, they had to try to get songs played and promoted and marketed and, you know, getting publicity in the papers and stuff like that. And that was pretty much how you did it back then. But the problem was is the, uh, you know, the Napster and the Audio Galaxy and all that downloading stuff just leveled out the whole uh, record labels. So they weren't hiring that company anymore and that company went out of business. But that company did promote shows as well as a form of marketing at the Middle East. So I would go to shows there and hand out flyers and do all sorts, sorts of things. And then... Uh, I just decided I was going to throw shows because that was where the opportunity was and no one really wanted to do it. Everyone told me that it was the worst job you could do in the music business. Um, don't do it. 
and all this, that, and the third. But, you know, I was, I was in my early 20s, and I was like, screw it. What else am I going to do? Yeah. And uh, started throwing shows in 2004. And so what was the first years, big show? I, I threw my first, my first show I did was pretty big. It was uh, for me at the time. It was Royce the Five Nine. Yeah, that's big. Um, kind of linguist. Uh, d- 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 tone deaf. And okay. uh, who else was on that? Juice. Juice. Juice was a bat. I don't know if you know Juice, but he was the battle MC. He's the only one that they say beat Eminem in a battle. I don't know. It's, that's oh, up okay. It's yeah, up right. to debate. What? Is there video? <laughs> I think there is. I don't know. Okay. I never saw it, but he was an excellent battle rapper off the tape. Okay. Incredible. So he was yep. on the show. Just a real good underground hip hop. Yeah, show. no, I know tone deaf and kind of lingu- kind of linguists and you know. Yeah. yeah, no, that's good stuff. And then uh Jake the Snake was the local act on that. Oh yeah. He, yep. he changed his name to JDS. Yep. Uh he's out in California, but he was the one local act on this show. And it was hosted by Peter Parker and it was hosted by Ed OG. Oh nice. So uh that was my first big one and I thought that, you know, after that show that I'd be all set and, you know, I'd have a bunch of money and then I'd be, you know, on my way that I had made it, you know, and I wouldn't have yeah. to work a regular job anymore. And <laughs> when the night was over, I was down about three grand. I lost three thousand dollars on the show. Wow. Uh had to pick up more hours at my day job and uh yeah, that was pretty much the beginning of it. And then so for some did- reason I was like, let me try that again. Yeah. <laughs> so, so what did what did you learn from that first experience in losing that money and? Well, what I did learned. You, gain you know, from I, I think it was just how to gauge an artist, like yeah. how to try to figure out how much you have as a as a talent buyer, a promoter. A promoter is basically a talent buyer who has to promote his own shows, as, mm-hmm. you know, and that's what a promoter is. Some, you know, when you work for a corporation like Live Nation or Bowery, you're just a talent buyer. You know, they have a, a, a marketing department that promotes the show, a machine that doesn't. But a promoter technically is an independent, all-in-one type of person. So as a promoter, you have to kind of figure out what is, um, what an artist is worth. Like, right. what's their fan base? How many people are coming to your show? That's a very difficult thing to figure out. Mm. Because the fan in you and the fan in me at that time was like, where's the five nine is selling out the Middle East. He's big. You know what I mean? Yeah. It wasn't the case. And, and not that, you know, and I was green at the time. So like my promotion skills were not what they are now. You know what I mean? So yeah. like, I probably didn't promote that show. It's not all Royce's fault. I just, just started out. You know? Right. And, right. But it's just kind of learning how to gauge how many people are going to come out in, in the resources you have to figure that out. Now we have a lot more resources back then. You did not have a lot of resources. Right. It was kind of like, Hmm. You know what I mean? Like how, you know, like think about it. There's no social media. Right. right. So how do you gauge now? How many fans someone's, someone's going to bring out? Well, it's it, it still is a lot of, there's a lot of things because you can look at someone's social media and the numbers could be through the roof. Yeah. But are those fake? Right. You, <laughs> you never know. know. You never not? know. You know, right. are those old fans that don't care anymore? Um, yeah. What's the reason? Like, sometimes a lot of artists, they're, they're just known as for, you know, antics. Right. Not necessarily they're, the music. They're bigger on social media than they are musically. And or they might just have a big single. 
and right. you're like, you know, um, you know, you know, I've seen acts that are like huge single, huge following, like huge right. fans and all this. And then, you know, they come do a show and there's 30, 40 people there. Wow. The single route doesn't necessarily mean you have a fan base. It just means you have a hot single, but you don't really got a body of work to really build a fan base. And those singles, they get forgotten pretty quick. Right. And um, so it's tough, man. I mean, I, you know, I still like, I got it down pretty good, but I still, I don't got it. Like you'd think I got it, you know, I, I yeah. still overshoot it sometimes. And I undershoot it. <clears throat> and that's the problem. If you undershoot it, you might not get the show. So it's like, you can't just lowball every artist and say, Oh, you know, I don't think it's right. going to do that well. And then I was just like, well, I'm, I'm going to go to this other promoter here and they're going to give me the money. I think I deserve. So it's like, again, you got to like negotiation. You got to learn how to push and pull and right. when to, when to swing for the fences and when not to. It's, it's, it's tough, man. Yeah. <laughs> it's tough, yeah. You know? I imagine it's it's sort of a sliding scale when it comes to like so promotion in the industry like you mentioned um, uh, when it comes to like flyers and radio stations and having connections there and uh, versus now social media it's sort of you're you're kind of learning on the fly all the time so there's never like a, t a manual to say this is how it's done at this second and it will always be this way so uh, it's uh, it's definitely I'd say. Uh, uh, it's it's wise to say like oh I'm, i don't have this mastered because it's always changing even the way social media has worked in the past 10 years it's changed significantly how you market things so i mean they're, you're seeing songs shortened because that's it's about streams now not really about like whether you like the song so it's a, the strategy just it shifts um so you're, you're looking for like clicks and things like that so it's uh I'm sure you never know how to make it work, but the best guess is some you can get familiar with and, and you've clearly made your way. So. Yeah. I mean, you know, I'm, uh, I'm grateful for social media because I tell you like promoting shows before it was very difficult. Okay. Because you had to get, you had to get out the house right, and be in the snow and be in the rain outside a show handing out flyers and you're probably not going to reach as many people as you would on social media no you're not you're not and and there's a there was, there's a grueling you know a grueling process man like you know when you're you know i was young back i was you know younger back then so like in my 20s it was a lot easier but like going going now <laughs> like with all the as you get older more responsibilities and doing yeah. that it'd be hard Friggin' hard. I, you know, and I think about the people that used to book shows before the internet. Like, I think about that. Even, right. Which was for years, right? It was just telephone, like, you yeah. know, th thousands and thousands and thousand dollar <laughs> telephone bills. You know, yeah. it's like, oh, I got the show, you know, blah, blah, blah. You got, again, what are you wow. using for information? Yeah. So it's like, this business has, has benefited, but now it's, I think, I think now, because people are sometimes getting a decent following on social media pretty quick or with the, the streaming and stuff like that, people think kind of jump the gun with shows a little bit. Like they'll go on, they'll, they'll kind of, they'll, they'll tour a little prematurely without, until figuring it out. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Because sometimes they're like, Oh, it looks like I got a little fan base. So I'm ready to go. And then agents and other people will just be like, push them to go out to try to make some money. 
it's too early. That I'm seeing that happen a little bit now. Yeah. That, you know, people going out a little too premature before the fan base is, is built up big enough. Because it's benefiting nobody to go out, and I say this to all you local artists out there, it is not beneficial to travel all the way across wherever just to play a show in front of three people. You're better off taking that energy and putting it into something else. You know what I mean? Right. Yes, it does happen. It's going to happen, yes. But if you're consistently like, I got to get out of state to play and I get to make to win, yeah, you do. But if you're performing in front of nobody, then right. you're better off like, spend that money in the studio and make your song better you know so uh just uh on uh, that point definitely makes sense you want to be um conserving your resources when you have them and and you want to build up locally if you can but i i'm just curious is there something to be said for if you went if you did all these three-person shows and sort of wasted your time a little bit making uh relationships at these different venues and then maybe that opens an opportunity to get uh a show when there is a bigger artist and that does sort of give them exposure uh has i mean it i'm curious has does that ever work i guess has as far as like networking to different states or is um am i just sort of like out of place and thinking that no i mean you, you it's not it's not bad to get connections there's nothing wrong with that but you don't need to necessarily drive across the country to get uh, the contact info for the club Right. Okay. You know, right. you got to remember these clubs are not going to care for the most part unless they really. Sorry, here. No worries. I just okay. Peter Parker was just calling me, uh, so shout out to him if he's checking in. But anyways, uh, these clubs are not. Most clubs don't give a shit unless you're bringing people to the venue. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, okay. Otherwise, unless they really believe in your music, and it does happen, I really believe in some artists that are really on the come up right now, might not necessarily bring a lot of people, but I believe in them, believe in their music, I support them, I like their music. Yeah, that's me. But I'm not everybody, man, you know what I mean? Yeah. And a lot of people, they just want to see numbers. And when you're in this business of venues, it's a tough business. So there's not really a lot of room for failure, you know what I mean? So like, all I'm saying is, you don't necessarily need to drive across the country to make those connections to play a show you know you you build it up in your hometown and slowly expand and expand you know and if you have an opportunity to play out of state yeah but don't break the bank doing it. you know what I mean? that's all I'm right yeah yeah that totally makes sense we're good uh, yeah yeah <laughs> i think so um so when uh are there any local artists like you were saying um, that you you believe in? Um, are would you particularly try to pair them up with a bigger artist to to get that exposure? Uh, yeah. Okay. That's basically what I what I did uh, for a lot of artists I worked with. You know, I that was the process. It was like I also managed artists and stuff like that. Uh, more so in the beginning. I'm getting kind of back to that now again. Um, but in the beginning, yeah, I mean, Slane, you know, uh, was one of the first local artists that I worked with and, and I put him on shows that he fit yeah. to build his fan base up. And back then, like I said, back then it was even more important to do that because right around that time, like my space was just kind of kicking off, yeah. you know what I mean? So, but that, but him playing those shows, like he played a show opening up, I forget for who. 
that's how we kind of built up his fan base. He opened up for a bunch of different people. And then one of those shows he opened up for the next day, got a write up in the Herald. Wow. Ben Affleck, Ben Affleck saw the Herald thing and then contacted him, saw the Herald article, then contacted him. And then he's in gone, baby gone. Yeah. So like you can see and then how the town. Yeah. Then the town and then a bunch of other things. You know what I mean? Yeah. So you can see how, but that, you know, I'm not saying t- trying to take complete responsibility for it. You can see how that line right. worked. Right. 100%. Yeah. And then with other artists I managed, you know, it was the same thing. It's like, how do I put, you know, how do I put the right artist opening up for the right, you know, so the fan base makes sense because I've made also made the mistake of like putting up an opening artist on a show where it didn't make sense. Yeah. With the fan base and it didn't get a good reaction. And everybody was pissed. So it's like, what, what's an example know? of that? What, what artist was it? Names. Okay. <laughs> I don't want to throw anybody under the bus. All right, no, no worries. You know what I mean? But yeah. you know, that's happened. But now, yeah. nowadays, though, I don't really make that mistake. I take the curating very serious, and mm-hmm. um, and I want the right acts on the right bill. I don't really care much about anything else when it comes to that. It, I just want the music to be good and to fit. You know, yeah. in the past, I didn't do that. Now, we'll see what happens in the future. But for the last, like, year or two, I made sure, like, if you're opening up, it's the right fit. Right. So. Have you found that, like, headliners, headlining artists kind of have preferences as far as the type of artists they want opening for them? Well, that's the other tricky thing these days, too. Yeah. You know, it's like back in the day, there was a lot more freedom in what I could do with that as far right. as, like, opening ads. Now... You know, a lot of times the headliners, they bring in their own people. Um, they bring in their own people. And then, um, <clears throat> so yeah, the headliners bring in their own support and they have to approve anybody opening up. Yeah. Which I understand, you know what I mean? But sometimes there's delays in that process. It takes forever. You know, they didn't get around to approving it in time. The artist that I wanted now has something else going on. You know, that yeah. happens. It's just a little bit of a pain in the butt, but. It is what it is. I, I still, I still, you know, sometimes I got to really kind of push it, you know, like sell, sell the opening act or the, the local support. Right. Um, is, is a real benefit to the show, you know? So, yeah. Uh, so have you ever had any examples of a headliner and, and, a, and an opener that didn't necessarily mesh in style, but it did end up working out and uh, perhaps they ended up like working together in the future. Uh, that might be a one-off situation, but uh, in my mind, I feel that uh, trying to cross pollinate fan bases would be a good idea, but I can see how in certain uh, cases, maybe. I, yeah. And I can see how though, like when it comes to a one night show, people might not be ready to warm up to another style. So I don't know if that's just like a hard rule or if there's ever styles that, do have the possibility of meshing and, and it does sort of work out. Yeah. I mean, um, it, it has been done and I have done it, you know what I mean? It's just, um, it depends on the fan base, but you know, I don't like to waste, I don't like to risk it. You know what I mean? There's so many artists in Boston looking for up in New England, looking for um, opportunities that I'd rather not risk it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I'd rather not risk. If there's limited opportunities, I don't want to risk someone getting on there and it not working i want if, if we're going to get someone on there now it, let's let's make it work you know what i mean yeah so I, I i can't think of any off the top of my head where it was like really different 
um and i've fused i've fused like hip-hop and rock genres and stuff like that i've done that a bunch of times that that works depending on the type of hip-hop but um you know i think certain certain type of hip-hop needs certain type of hip-hop is so many different sub-genres within it now so it's like you got to kind of keep it fitting uh so it's the most beneficial to everybody involved so right but yeah, yeah it can it can work it can work but it's not you know there's also some type of sh shows where it doesn't matter if it's the perfect fit or not they don't give a crap about the opening artist you right. know what I mean? like, that happens all the time unfortunately who are uh who are some of your favorite up-and-coming artists in new england right now Oh man, you gotta throw me under the bus for that one. <laughs> um, let me pull out. You know, it's so funny because let me let me pull out my 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 list here. All right, just because I'm not gonna remember it off the top of my yeah, head. Yeah, no, you're always gonna forget someone. I have a I had to write it all down because um, there's so many. Yeah, no, I know it's it's <laughs> crazy. Know, I, I see you've been updating the leads list. Yep. Yeah, the, the leads list on Spotify, I keep that going with uh, underground hip-hop and New England hip-hop. Originally, yeah. it was just New England hip-hop, but there wasn't enough releases. I wanted to keep it fresh. Plus, there was a lot of people outside of Boston and New England uh, doing great stuff. They get no credit. Um, right. So I just kind of wanted to create a platform that would benefit yeah, everybody. Playlist. Thank you. Thank you. Um, let's see here. Where we at? Yeah. Yeah, because I had to make a list because because of this whole opening act thing. I was like, right. local support thing. I was like, I need it because I keep forgetting people. So Right. So, yeah, uh, just a few names here. You know, I like Hero is dope. Um, Hero, yep. Baron is dope. He's, he's more alternative. He's he's one of these crossover artists that okay. you know, can play like, like a pop punk show and then like, you know, an emo show and do oh, a hip hop, certain type of trap hip hop show. He's dope. Nice. He, um let's see who we got here yeah. Pro my boy problematic we just problematic yep i see you <laughs> posting about him a lot he's fire yeah oh well, i have to shout him out he's gonna punch me um <laughs> uh let's see east side she she's dope uh yep yep dope uh chemic they're dope um crispy d in new hampshire crispy d yeah i've been listening to him a little bit recently yeah See, Spring, he's dope. Yep. Um, Ju, dope. J J Faith, yep. dope. J Faith. Um, cynical. Yeah. Naji Johnny. Naji Johnny, not yeah. He's yeah. he's dope. We saw him at the Boston Music Award. Yeah. Let's see who else we got. Yeah. G obviously G Dot and Born. Easy money terminology. Yeah, terminology still up and coming. I don't think so. He's probably established. <laughs> by um, yeah, let's see. Uh, so is easy money. You know, St. Knack, he's doing his thing. Yeah, St. Knack's doing big uh, things. Lateb. Lateb, shout out Lateb. Yeah, and Oblivious. Uh, that's right. You guys, you guys, the South Shore, right? Yep. Yeah. So yeah. So yeah, Lateb. South yeah, we Shore. had them on. We had them on the podcast before. Lateb Woke. and Oblivious. Yeah, yep. Oblivious. Well, Casso. Casso, uh, yep. Casso. Um, I mean, there's so many more. Like, yeah, it's too many to name, really. Re it really is. I yeah. Mean, I feel like if I don't, I'm supposed to shout out everybody else I didn't name because there's, I, the list is huge. I'm just right. shouting out names that are jumping out right. at me first. Um, <laughs> right. 
Yeah, but yeah that, was the po- that was the point of the leads list. That was the point of me trying to do the leads locale. I mean, mm-hmm. I was trying to uh, create a avenue for people to just get out there, you know, because um, it's hard. It's very hard. Right. Extremely difficult. <laughs> you know, it's extremely difficult. Some yeah. people just, some people pull it off and it's unexplainable. Some people put so much effort and so much time and so much stuff and it still doesn't work. Some things are just tough to explain. But either what way. Do you, what do you think the reason for that is if someone's putting in effort and it's not, not getting the results? Like, sometimes, I mean, it's a tough question. Sometimes it's political. Sometimes yeah. it's lack of finances, you know, because there's a lot that goes into it. Yeah. Lack of time, you know, there's lack of, resources yeah i mean there's 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 so many things you know or or or, you know luckily you know now we're seeing a time where there isn't so many gatekeepers right so there's not Mm -hmm. someone saying you're not good enough you're good enough you're cool screw you you know what i mean there's none of that yeah Um, people can more people can do it on their own kind of more now though they don't they don't need approval diy is uh is is available yeah yeah you know like you are you have a phone with a camera and a camcorder you can do what you document whatever you want put out whatever you want still gonna have to probably spend a little bit of money because you know everything costs money but like right. not a huge amount not like you needed like 20 grand anymore to fucking put out an album you know? yeah um hold on sorry sorry yeah so it's like you can do it it's just it's baby steps. You know what I mean? It's like small little steps in marketing and, and using these tools is, uh, can get you, can get you far, man. It will get you far. Let's just say this. You kind of have to do it. The yeah. only ones that don't have to do it, the ones that are already established and they got their fan bases and, and they don't need to do as much, but if you coming up, get ready to work. Right. Right. <laughs> You think the fans are just going to come to you because you make the song, then no, personality is coming. Yeah. No, you have to, you have to market your, your personality too. It's like people have to like you as a person, you know, it's like you, you kind of have to build your image on social media and stuff. It's like a whole different ball game. Yeah. It's branding. It's, right. Branding. Right. But the music still has to be good. Oh, like of course. If, of course. If, if the music is unlistenable, None of the work is worth it. Right. Like, I'd rather someone spend time and the money in the studio to get the song right than spend all this extra money trying to promote all this stuff. Right, right. It's not going to matter. Because at the end of the day, the most effective tool is, is, the, uh, is someone sharing your song to, another, to somebody else, right? Yeah. So, if, like, you're a fan of the music I made, and you, you're, you're like showing it to all your boys. Like, yo, you got to listen to this. You got to listen to this. That is the most effective and affordable tool of anything. Absolutely. But that comes from the music being good. Right. So <clears throat> that's my theory behind that. Yeah, and that's why those play, like the leads lists and making playlists like that is so important. Because people are, people are looking for the next thing to listen to and, you know, so if you can, if you can kind of guide them in the right direction and, um, you know, bring some light to some of these artists that deserve more credit, that's yeah. definitely a good way to do it. Yeah. I mean, for me, I've always been kind of an underground guy, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like I, 
I came up listening to mainstream hip hop, but '90s mainstream hip hop was different animal. It than was what it is yeah, now. right. So you're talking about whatever was mainstream was really like cloud would be considered probably underground now. You know it, what exactly. I mean? like, the only the like, only place you're gonna find music like that now yeah. is underground. So, yeah. So yeah. like to me, like what I listened to, what I came up listening to all the stuff I love, that sound still exists. It's just right. underground. It's just underground, right. Yeah. So to me, that's like, and this just something, I've never been a main, after like, you know, the 90s, like never been a mainstream, never really been a mainstream guy, period. Hip hop back then, even though it was mainstream under, you know, like popular, mm. it still wasn't like mainstream, mainstream in pop culture. Wu-Tang was never a pop act. Right, you know what right. I mean? Like, you know, Gangstar never a pop act, you know. Right. Dr. Dre, all that stuff, that was huge mainstream, became mainstream, but it was never regionally that, you know, at first. But, like, I've never been that type of guy. So what's popular on the radio or what's popular nowadays when I go on uh, iTunes and whatever, it's just, like, the, the new release section is just, mm-hmm. it's like, all trap, all, like, mainstream, recycled. All sounds the same. Yeah. Not what I, not what my definition of hip hop is. Now, what you're, right. you know, someone that likes that might think this. Right. To me, that's rap music, whatever. But to me, that's not, that's not the sound I like. You know. Right. So I try to focus on the underground, who's still doing it, pushing it, and I, I, I find that that is what I like to listen to. Yeah. Yeah, and honestly, I, I confession, I was kind of like stuck in the mainstream for a long time, and. Um, there's probably even a point where I said like, oh, I've, I just heard every, every song. Like I, I know all the music <laughs> now. I probably thought yeah. like, I just knew of every artist. Um, but then Jack would be showing me these lists of, of like hundreds of people and thousands <laughs> of songs. And yep. I was like, things that are really good and, and it's quality production and things that people that are, I'm like, Oh, who's this? Uh, someone from Boston. I'm like, what? this guy's in Boston. I didn't even realize it right. sounds so full and quality. And like, you just don't, it's, I think it's something that, uh, I mean, people like shiny objects. So if you see someone with a million followers, you want to know why they have a million followers. So you go and watch that. Uh, but it's a lot less likely for some reason for people to go seek out for people uh, to diamonds in the rough. Like you want to see, it's a lot less like people will see that you only have 3000 followers and they won't even listen to your song. Yeah. Uh, you know, which is crazy. Yeah, I mean, music, so it, it's also just so much of it now that it's just so easy to dismiss, right? right. So it's like, you put out a song, who cares? Right. <laughs> like, like, so did, like, so did yeah, a million other song, people today, yeah. yeah. Right. That was the other thing back in the 90s, like, it wasn't as much. So you had to be really good to get a deal because the amount of money that would go behind you to get it out, like you had to have talent or you yeah. didn't get in shelf. But we saw when it became more DIYs, more, you know, people could easily get it out there. So like in the early 2000s, you started seeing an influx of rappers. And now it's even more, you know, with all these tools. So it's like quality to me at this point is what really matters. Right. So, you know, and then you know, then and then you gotta, you still gotta market it correctly too, though. You know, like I see a lot of mistakes, and and where I'm kind of going with the business now is working with artists to try to market the music more properly, because mm-hmm. I see time and time again, I see a lot of people just like, here's my new album, it's out. Yeah. You know, no yeah. lead up, no promotion, just here you go. 
Right. And, and yeah, I get that. But at the same time, that's not necessarily. That's not know, the best it, way to do it. Yeah. Four days later, no one knows what the hell forgotten. You know what right. I mean? Everything, right. your whole, everything you just did to make that album pretty much forgotten. And now it's on you to promote the hell out of it. Now, if you still want to or not, I see a lot of people just say, well, I'm on to the next. Right. <laughs> it's like, well, what did you just do? Yeah, you yeah. know what I mean? Like, <laughs> it's like, how are you marketing shit? Video, singles, it's content. What are you doing being creative to, to make? Why should I care about your release? Right? Right. Why? Because you rap? It's not enough. Everyone it's not, raps. Everyone raps, <laughs> yeah. Everyone raps. Everyone's got a good story. Yeah, it's... Um... It is hard to, to be original sometimes or, or to just be noticed. Sometimes you have a good story and it's not always, uh, people aren't going to know that until they actually listen to your music. It does take quality marketing to get people out there. And what we also saw with the whole DIY scene is people kind of not taking production serious enough. Mm. So like people don't re also realize sometimes that hip hop is not just about the rapping. Okay. Right. It's about the beat. Okay, the production of the beat. That was what made it also great. It was a 50-50 split. Right. If the beat wasn't great, it, the raps get dismissed. And so often we see good rappers picking terrible beats because they're either cheap, free, or whatever. Yeah. And that is hurting. That killed a lot of people from my generation. They picked mm. terrible beats, you know. Once yeah. they got out of that major label deal, it was like back to picking bad production. I've seen so so rappers survive just because they've been able to pick really good beats. Yeah. Whereas yeah. whereas the other way around, if you're a really good rapper and you pick a crappy beat, eh, you know what I mean? Like it, yeah. it, 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 it it doesn't have the staying power. And now, I can... some people are just that good that they can overpower anything, but that's few or far between. Right. Exactly. I, I think it has a lot to do in that case. It sounds like producers trying to um, get what they're worth and, and I can't knock them for that. I've praised producers many times on this podcast. I think producers really do kind of make the whole uh, that industry go around. Um, it's really hard to have a good hip hop song without a good beat. And um, like you're saying, some good rappers might sacrifice that beat because maybe some producers quoting him way too much on a beat that he thinks that, Hey, we've been working together. Maybe this should be more of a mutual thing. Um, right. And that goes back to you, whether you believe in someone or not. And I think some producers do that and you get people, they'll just bring you up as an artist with their, like you'll work together and it comes up a lot more organically. Um, and I have said this also in the past, I think it is short-sighted, uh, try to upcharge people in the beginning especially if you're within I would say yeah. five years like if you're not making a steady salary already um, you can't really quote your price uh, when you're that young unless you're modeling yourself off of somebody else so it is uh, it's beneficial for everybody to work with everybody so if you're putting out quality beats don't just say this beats $500 no questions asked you can't try to bargain with me and like yeah. no one no one's gonna end up buying it if you're just someone in in your basement even if it's the best beat ever um, so it definitely takes some, I mean, you kind of have it give and take on both sides. You have to be ready to work with people. It's tough, man. I think like every scenario is different, you know, um, money can screw is there's so much financial insecurity in the hip hop game. You know, everyone's just struggling to get by and, and you know, most people in the music business are really struggling to come up and, and make a living and, and you know, 
it's really hard. So it's like you have people, you know, trying to defend their worth versus trying people trying to, to make moves. And it, it's really hard. I think if you can find a realistic price, you can get paid on a consistent basis. You're probably in a good place. If you're one of these people that wants to just try to get as much as you can every moment and lose business because of that, I, I don't know if that's necessarily always a good deal, unless you just don't want to work with the person. You know what I mean? Which is right. what a lot of people do. They'll just be like, oh, my beat's $5,000. And then be like, well, that's just me trying to say, I don't want to work with you. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, but if you want to make consistently make a living, just be reasonable with your pricing. You know, if, if, if people think it's worth it, they'll pay for it. You know what I mean? If they get a good experience out of it, they'll pay for it, you know, but like every scenario is different. I don't want to speak for every producer or MC out there trying to sell their beats or their verses or whatnot. But if you are a good MC and you got a good beat, you know, both people will benefit from it. If you're a good producer with a good MC on your beat, you'll both benefit because the song will carry more and get you more exposure. So maybe you didn't make as much selling it, but maybe that beat carries more. And everyone's got a certain budget. Some people have more money to play with than others, you know? So I think the, the producers I've seen uh, do well, just kind of work with people's budgets and they find a way to make it work, hmm. you know? So being open-minded though, you know what I mean? Because it does take a community to, to make this thing work. That is true. Um, so speaking of communities, um, how often uh, do you, you must see a lot of artists using similar or the same DJ circles, right? So you're probably getting a lot more similar DJs than artists, I imagine, or is that? Uh, what do you mean? Does each art? I guess does each artist have a personal DJ, or do some artists use the same DJ? So you're going to be seeing <clears throat> you see maybe a DJ more often than you'd see an artist. Um, if that just well, I guess I would, see the, I, I would see the DJs probably. The, I would see DJs more frequently. There's less of them these days. <laughs> shout yeah. out Slip Wax. Shout out PVK. Slip Wax. Um, I'm forgetting a few here, but you know, they, there's a few others in there. But um, yeah, not, that, that's a that's a dying out form. <laughs> you right. know what I mean? That needs to be resurrected, please. Yeah, I but actually yeah, absolutely. There's a lot there's to less, be done with uh, the boards. I guess it's not exactly the same as turntables anymore. But yeah, that's it is definitely there's still an art form to it. Sorry to cut you off. No, it's all good. I mean, um, hold on. Sorry. Screwed up. Um, yeah. I mean, when I was, when I was a DJ, when I had turntables techniques, there's a lot of DJs back then. Yeah. A lot of DJs. And to the point where I was like, yo, I, I don't think I can, I, I don't think I'm going to be able to be a DJ and compete with these guys. And I ain't as good as them. You know what I mean? I, I could spend hours practicing in my basement. Um, but I don't know. <laughs> Still then, I don't think, you know, I didn't think that I could be good enough to hang with some of these dudes. Like, you know, like scratch pickles and Primo and these dudes. I, I just didn't have it like that. You needed to have it like that back then because, no one would take you serious unless my, my mixtape game was good, but not like those guys. Like, you know, like, so like, but now I, I'd be hard to name five, you know? Um, what do you think the reason for that is? Well, I think artists stopped needing them or stopped yeah. thinking they didn't need them. They were just like, I'll just play my, you know, push play in the back. Yeah. You know, and then people didn't want as much scratching on their albums. 
Right. So it was like, and then the mixtape game is kind of done. So now it's all playlist. You don't need a DJ for that. Yeah. So there's the, the, the DJ still exists on the radio and the mix shows and stuff like that, but they're few and far between, you know, and then there's the club DJs. There's a, probably a bunch of those out there just playing music at clubs, but are they down that they're not necessarily turntablists? You know right. what I mean? They might be rocking a party or whatnot, or, or they just press and play. I mean, I don't know. Right. I've seen a lot of DJs up there just pushing buttons. Yeah. And the, the skill level has gone down. Yeah. So. And uh, I think so. I guess this is more of a, an EDM route, but I have seen. Um... Shut up, problematic. You just posted something. If I don't shout yeah. him out, he's going to punch me. So. Yeah. Shout <laughs> out, problematic. Shout yeah. out, problematic. I'm not trying to get punched either. <laughs> new single out now is there a problem new single all right it's a banger word peep it but um yeah what were you saying uh so like uh with like all the different there's like the pioneer dj tractor everyone's got their own hardware um for like virtual turntables so you can set up uh it it gets infinitely more complex with you can put effects you can take sections of songs that have the same tempo and maybe it's in the same key uh but that requires like uh deep understanding of music that i've i've seen the surface scratched of before i've seen someone kind of explaining to me like like look i got these two songs running simultaneously and as the hook comes for this one i'm going to layer in like the other song and it gets it definitely gets complex like despite the fact you're just working with two existing songs so you have to like you're layering just by through prior knowledge of music so it is kind of hard to just jump into that and it's immense practice i mean that's like a twenty thousand hours to perfect probably it's a uh, well it's, unbelievable. it's it's amazing too because that, that's basically called mixing you just mix in two records with um the bpms and that's actually what i really loved about djing when i did it it wasn't i like scratching all that but the, the blending of two records into each other i love that love that uh, but to do that you have to know the bpms of each record right the bpms have to like you know you got to know each one and be able to time them, you know, get the BPMs at the same pace that they blend together. Um, some people just have an ear for that. Um, yeah. I necessarily didn't have a great ear for that. I kind of needed to count them, but um, I, the DJ, again, some of the DJs I was around, man, like they could do that by ear. Right. Wow. Yeah. You realize how difficult that is. Sometimes if you got one beat going like this, and another yeah. beat going like this and just figuring out and, and, yeah, you know, if you're crazy. off if you're off a millisecond or anything you can it, you can tell so yeah. it's 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 it, it can <laughs> some people just got it man i'm telling you man and i wasn't that guy that just got it you know so that's was kind of like all right let me figure out how i can also diversify my skills right but yeah shout out all the djs that can mix by year yeah, it's, a, I mean, and being able to understand pitch, I mean, that is, it's yeah. uh, something that I think you're, you can learn, but yeah, like some people are, are just born with that. It's uh, some people, yeah, some people are born with it. Definitely. Shout out Alex Sennett, Berkeley musician. Uh, Big shout out. Yeah. Shout out Justin Clancy. I believe he's pitch perfect. How could he not be? <laughs> shout out Justin Clancy too. Big old Clancy. Yeah. <laughs> Big things. Yeah, you you put on a lot of his shows, right? I'm surprised you guys are shouting out a North Shore artist. Oh yeah, Um, that's the homie. That's the homie. Okay, all right. Yeah, you you put on a bunch of his shows, right? 
Unfortunately, I did. Yeah. <laughs> I hope you heard that. <laughs> nah, he's um, Clancy is a uh, is a very talented artist. I've seen him come a long way. He's, yeah. um, you know, when he first was out, he was a pain in the ass. He's still a pain in the ass, but he was even more of a pain in the ass. Um, <laughs> coming backstage, acting like he owned a place, didn't even yeah. know who he was, uh, and yeah. you know, he uh, he kind of came into it like a new style and stuff like that. He's singing, you know, when I first met him, I didn't know he sang at all. Like, right. He just rapped. He was just right. like a white rapper right you know what i mean and uh ever since tv dinner he's kind of just yeah, changed his yeah, lane yeah. yeah that was that was that was the big change and it's right. it's all been it's been going more in that direction too you know yeah so that's good it's good to see him he's out in la doing his thing trying to yeah. you know make moves so shout out clancy yep big shouts i um i got probably about 15 minutes left i can do here i don't know if there's anything right. else you want to specifically talk about um i did have a question if you sure. could, in your recollection, what's the most memorable show that you've put on that you can think of? Good or bad? <laughs> memorable. Let's go good, one good and one bad. Well, the be- one of the best shows I think I obviously did was um, Scarface show. And okay. DMX, DMX and Swizz Beats just showed up randomly. That's awesome. And, and came out. And did us and performed songs, and then did this whole thing with Scar DMX. This whole thing with Scarface. I mean, yeah. that's fire. That's fire. Yeah. Was that when was that? Unplanned. Unplanned. He, basically, Scarface came up to us. He was just like, "Yo, DMX and Swiss Beats are coming." Wow. And I had hear. I you know been doing this for a long time, so you get yeah. You're always told, "Oh, so and so's coming." You know what I mean? Get ready. And it's like, all right, whatever. You know yeah. what I mean? But yeah. no, they actually came, and uh, yeah, and with DMX, you never know. He's yeah, been, I mean, he, he's been known he's to not just, show up to shows and stuff, and yeah, I mean, he's just pure artist. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like he's like everything that comes with that, and um, but he's just he's just such a powerful artist, man. Even like, yeah, yeah. That, you know, even like on stage, that short amount of time, it's just like this guy is just he just knows how to connect with you, right? Uh, and set and, and connect as a human being. And so does Scarface. Mm. So they're both like very, they're very like connected to the, the human condition, yeah. whether it's good or it's bad. Yeah. So that was probably a good best one. Um, okay. Worst show, uh, Jim Jones. Uh, Jim Jones. <laughs> Wait, what set. year? 2011, 2012. Okay. okay. Started a riot. <clears throat> oh, really? He showed up mad late his goons and they you know he just so it was just jim jones he was the headliner yeah and like okay. someone threw a solo cup on stage we don't know if it was staged or not but then he yeah. jumped in the crowd and started a fight oh, and then oh my god fights started breaking out everywhere and the show got shut down and it was just wow just whack you know what i mean wow whack yeah that whack. sounds pretty whack. whack yeah man you know what that my funniest whack. story is uh, the most the, the craziest one is is uh, I did Anderson Pack okay uh, and had no idea who he was and missed his set. <laughs> he was oh like, wow! He was, <laughs> he was, was this like before up. he blew up? Yeah, before anyone knew who he was. He was okay, uh, so you've you've done shows for artists, uh, a couple artists or a few artists before they really blew up. Like, Anderson uh, Pack, Anderson, Anderson Pack, Pack, Wiz Khalifa. Didn't you no, do one Wiz for Wiz Khalifa? Wiz Khalifa was. 
about to blow when I did the show. About Sold to out. blow. And Mac well, Miller. They were all like the trajectory was there. Like they were right. going, you know. Right. But Anderson Pack, literally, I think he was just even drumming. I don't even know if he was even. Oh, okay. I, I, like I said, I missed his set. I didn't know who he was. Um, yeah. He was opening for this MC called uh, Wax. Who wax, is like, yeah, we know Wax. Yep. Yeah, Wax. You know, yeah, that's right. You know Wax. He's, um, yeah. but yeah, he was opening for Wax. And he's like first of four. Yeah. <laughs> so uh. I, was like, I, I missed the whole set. Wow. I didn't know until later that I had done the show. Yeah, I was like, "Holy crap!" Who, you know? But that was kind of <laughs> yeah. funny. That was like a funny experience. I look wow. back, I'm just like, "Wow, I missed the set." Yeah, I did Kendrick Lamar. No one really knew who he was. Yeah, you did Mac Miller, right? Mac Miller. Everyone kind of knew who he was at that time. He was blown okay. up. We did one show and sold out. We added a second, so that was like, that's right after you dropped Kids. So it was yeah, like, yeah, that's right when he was starting to blow. Yeah, yeah. From there, it's on. Yeah. Yeah. And I imagine Joyner Lucas too, right? Or was he? Yeah, we did. Joyner Lucas. Joyner Lucas was an opening act on a few things. Um, He opened for Hobson. Um, He opened for Hobson, and then he opened for he opened for Hobson twice. That's how. That's right. Okay, so the first one he just opened, and I didn't really know who he was. And then the second one he opened. He was more established at that point. Token, token, and. um, Jordan Lucas were on the Hobson tour, I believe. Was it Hobson? I'm pretty sure it's Hobson. Yeah, yeah. I think I remember and, that uh, a few years ago. And this is when they were. This is when they were like starting to pick up steam. Yeah. Um, as solo artists, and then from there it's on. And then I did Jordan Lucas. Um, I co-promoted it with the Palladium, him headlining, and that did pretty well. Nice. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, the the nature of what I did in in the Middle East was kind of always a starting point for a lot of artists. Yeah. You know, you kind of like you'd play the Middle East first and then you go on to big things. And then depending on the decisions and the things you make, we might see you again on the way down, you know? Right. (laughs) (laughs) True. Uh, True. um, So, you know, it was a starting point and it was an ending point for a lot of people. And there was a lot of people that ended up, you know, at the Middle East, but they would always sell out and just stay there. You know, and which is the idea was to always consistently have the sold out show. Right. So, I mean, that's good, too. So, I mean, the history right. of that venue and I hope it can survive this. I hope I really hope it can survive this thing, whether I Absolutely. work there or not, because the music scene needs an independent venue like that. Yeah. No, Otherwise, the Middle East. We need the Middle East. We really do. Yeah. You really. There's, there's nothing like it around Boston. I would not have existed without it. Yeah. As a promoter, I would not yeah. have been able to do anything. You know, Live Nation, they have their own people, AG, Bowery, their own people. Yeah. Unless you work for them, you're either in or you're out. So it's like a guy, independent promoter. Um, you know, I, without the independent venue, I, I, you know, there probably would have been no Leeds Entertainment. Right. You know what I mean? Wow. I could say that it might have existed, but not in the, the context of that, you know? Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's, I, you know, more independent, but it's such a bit tough business though, too. At the same time, like it's a tough balance. It's a tough balance. Yeah. Yeah. I can imagine that is a, that is a definitely a lot of work. It's no off days, I guess. Um, I was the general manager for about a year and it was probably the most chaotic year of my life. Really? <laughs> and, and that, 
uh, and that's like you're not not just in charge of uh, talent. Like that's going to be uh, drink sales. You're getting merchandise, everything through the door, out the door. Like that's is that you're just general manager. Merchandise is the artists' uh, thing. The Middle East stays out of that. You know, oh, okay. artists—they bring in their own merch. They make the 100% to them. Uh, whereas you go to a corporate venue, uh, you know, they take a cut. So, one good thing about the Middle East. Um, yeah. But, well, um, but the the general manager job is kind of overseeing because the Middle East is a big place. People forget how big it is. It's like 1,300 foot capacity if you add all those rooms together. Wow, and it's separated, different like a maze, right? So, it's not just one room of thirteen hundred people. It's five different rooms with five different crews, all moving at the same time, in a crazy music drinking environment. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's like you basically maintaining chaos. And I had to kind of just make sure all the team players were there and work with each team and try to maintain it. But at the, in the end, it was just too crazy. You know, it's just too crazy. So, so, uh, in, I, I guess you have, you have moved on, uh, from the middle East, uh, but I am curious. So there's new venues in town, not going to be like the middle East. It's not necessarily underground. Um, are you, are you going to be, are you involved in at all with um, things going on? There's going to be something at the corner of Fenway right across from like diagonal to the house of blues. Yeah. A lot of that stuff's all live nation. Unfortunately, this business is kind of going corporate. So mm. you either work for them or you don't, you know what I mean? And that's, okay. that's why I, I keep stressing the importance of the middle East, you know, um, you know, like if they'll, I, I see myself as like a promoter being contracted to hi- promote something. You know, if someone has a show, they feel like, you know, leads could benefit helping them any hip hop show, which it would, um, you know, I've worked with other venues necessarily. Like I've worked with big night, um, which is like part live nation part, you know, uh, big night. And, um, we've, I've done a couple of shows. I did Busta rhymes there. And, um, but I didn't, I just, they just, paid me to promote it so i mean i could see myself working in that capacity if they're interested um or other venues are interested but as far as being like going back to just being the, the full-time promoter who buys the talent takes all the risk and does all the that at this point in my career like i don't think for really know if i want to put that kind of stress back on my plate actually i actually know i don't want to put that kind of stress That's back fair. on my plate yeah. you know that's kind of why I'm going in more about working more with the artists on the grassroots level of just trying to get the music right and kind of going that way with it. Artist development, marketing, digital marketing, you know, social media strategy, you know, stuff like that. I think that's kind of what's really more needed right now because, you know, if no one's listening to your songs, they ain't showing up to your shows. You right, know? right. And even if they do show up at your shows, they don't know any of the songs. So, so it's like people don't realize that sometimes. They just think like the reason people people go to the, these concerts because they love the songs. They want to hear them live. If they're not, you know, they don't know your songs. Exactly. They're not going to go. Right. So it's like we, I just want to help people kind of just get that stuff out there more and have it be done more effectively. Whether people love it or not, that's on them. But at least let's work on this process. So that's kind of where I'm going with everything right now and it's so far so good so it's been working yeah well that's awesome um so i think we're coming up on the 
on your yeah, I'm gonna have here. to run. I uh, you know, I'm gonna have to run. Um, but you know, it's been great talking to you guys. You guys got a great yeah. Day. Appreciate it. Appreciate you coming yeah. on. Thank you for coming on. Yeah, we're probably gonna have to utilize some of your services. We're gonna need some social, yeah. media, social yeah. media help and everything. Yeah, yeah. great. Yeah, we're looking to put but, on a show eventually. Yeah, I know you guys are trying to get into that, and you know, yeah. any help that I can do or whatever, you know, if you need help getting in touch with any certain artist or promoting anything, you know, you guys let me know. I'm awesome. Down to, you know, it, it it takes people like us and a bunch of others, you know, to make this work. So you right. know, it, it needs everybody kind of doing something creating lanes and opportunities for other people. So keep doing your things is great. And I'm um, sure other people appreciate it as well. Thank you. Perfect. Thank you. Really appreciate you coming on, sharing yeah, some wanna... information with us. All right, guys, I'll, uh, I'll get to go and uh, you hit me up for anything. And um, I'm always around. Perfect. Thank All right. You so thanks. much. All right, man, let it...